بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمده ونصلی علی رسوله الکریم اما بعد الحمدللہ tonight is the 15th of february in the year 2024 alhamdulillah we've completed the second week the 14th night that we're going through the illustrious and blessed life of the noble companion Sayyidina Amr ibn al-As and I've reached the point where I've mentioned that the battle of Uhud has been fought and lost and the unbelievers are deciding now to return i.e. back to Makkah and then I mentioned that the cause for this was one who was at the time an unbeliever, Ma'abad ibn Abu Ma'abad al-Khuzai, and he convinced the caravan of Abu Sufyan to return. And then I mentioned also that Amr ibn al-As, he himself also echoed these sentiments. But in a similar report, in Ibn Ishaq, Ibn Hisham in his Sira, page 422 of the English translation, Ibn Kathir's Tafsir 2-146, Abu Ubaid al-Rahmatullah alayhi he relates. When Sayyidina Abu Sufyan left on the day of the battle of Uhud, he thereupon intended to return to Al-Madinah to now exterminate the rest of the companions of Rasulullah However, Sayyidina Safwan ibn Umayyah ibn Khalaf said to them, Do not do so. For the people have been exasperated. It is also feared that they would now fight you better than they did. I with those who had not participated earlier. Those who returned. They did accordingly. Being informed of this turn of events, Rasulullah said, and he was in Hamra al-Asad, I roughly eight miles from Al-Madinah, by him in whose hand is my soul. Shower of stones would have been prepared for them, i.e., if they had gone ahead with their plan. Indeed, had they the stones fallen upon them in the morning, they would have thereupon perished like those of old. So, this is a third report. So, here another noble was mentioned who convinced them to return, and it was Safwan ibn Umayyah, who was the unbeliever at the time, on the side of the unbelievers, he said, don't return because they may now come back to fight even more fiercely. And then they returned. But then the Prophet said something very interesting. If they had foolishly returned, Allah would have destroyed them. He goes, they would have been stoned with a shower of stones and they would have perished like those of old. So, you combine the reports. It was Ma'abad ibn Abu Ma'abad al-Khuzai's warning to the Quraysh, which was confirmed by Sayyidina Amr ibn al-As, and Sayyidina Safwan ibn Umayyah, that prevented the Quraysh from eventually now heading back to Al-Madinah to finish the job as such. But, if you look deeply at the matter, in reality, in his great compassion, it was no other than our loving Lord, 
subhanahu wa ta'ala who first spared the believers a second encounter with their enemies. In addition to sparing the then completely ignorant unbelievers to an encompassing heavenly annihilation. Subhanallah. So think about that. So you got the politics, you got the people trying to work out what the best course was, but the reality was it was divine mercy. So why do we say that? Firstly, because the believers were spared a second encounter. They were obviously exhausted and wounded, including the Prophet himself, But secondly, the destruction of the unbelievers. Allah Ta'ala spared them from a complete annihilation. So this is what really happened. Note also how well acquainted Sayyidina Amr was with regards to the logistics of the encounter and his military genius, which was to later play a most pivotal role in the spread of the glorious deen. So like I mentioned again and again, what did he say about Uhud? He said, I was present at Uhud and I escaped. This is in Behaki and Ibn Kathir Sirah, volume 3, page 320 of the English translation. So look how strange. You could argue, he said this after he embraced Islam. So looking back, he realized it was an escape. But even if he had said this in his time of unbelief, you could explain it because he realized that there was something helping Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa and he must have realized by then it was Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Finally, with regards to the one of the wisdoms on why this battle was won by the unbelievers, because this is a question posed, why did this one battle go against the believers? Every other campaign was in favor of the believers with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa This went against them. So what was the divine wisdom? Is that amongst the Quraysh army were several eminent soldiers and commanders such as Sayyidina Khalid ibn al-Walid, Sayyidina Amr ibn al-As, Sayyidina Ikrimah ibn Abu Jahl amongst others who were later destined by the Almighty and Glorious to be great servants of Islam in the future. Thus it would be safe to say that for the sake of their future service, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may not have willed to hurt their feelings of honor completely. Thus as expressed by Bedr Uz-Zuman Sa'id Nursi, who said, the companions of the future defeated the companions of the present. This is in the work Lemala Istanbul, page 28. So one of the Turkish shuyukh he said, you could look at it from this angle. The companions of the future defeated the companions of the present. Why? Because Khalid bin Walid, Amr ibn al-As, Ikrimah and others, they weren't Muslims. But later they became Muslims and not only Muslims, great generals. So maybe Allah was honoring them in a way as well. But of course Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was best. And it's also prophecy. Because when Abu Sufyan Ibn Harb, later after the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, he went on one of his business uh, ventures and he ended up in the land of Sham. And then Roman soldiers arrested them and took them to Heraclius. And then Heraclius wanted to know about the emergence of the Prophet. And one of the key questions he asked was, and he asked Abu Sufyan through an interpreter, 
He said, how do the battles go with you? So Abu Sufyan, because of the defeat of Uhud, he said sometimes they are victorious and sometimes we are victorious. So look how generous he was with that. Why? Because they only defeated them once. The way he was saying, it was 50-50. But he told the truth nevertheless. And then later, Heraclius, the Roman emperor said, this is always the, the sunnah of God. Eventually, the believers will triumph. So that was another reason there was a defeat there. It was the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And even the Roman emperor knew about this. <laughs> Look how tragic that is. We don't even know. You ask Muslims, why did the Muslims lose the battle in the battle of Uhud? And if you turn around and say, Heraclius knows better than you. <laughs> what a slap in the face that is. <laughs> Heraclius, what does he know? <laughs> and he goes, he knew why there was a defeat. So again, there was great wisdom in why this took place. <laughs> so time passed. A year or so later, the Quraysh had now joined forces with the mischievous Jews and other tribes to come and crush the believers in Al-Madinah itself. Yet subhanAllah, on arrival they found a confounded ditch which they could not surpass. After a month or so of intrigue and attempts to subdue the believers, a violent wind was sent by the Almighty subhanahu wa ta'ala which caused havoc amongst the unbelieving forces. Thus due to their utter frustration and lack of success, the unholy allies were forced to retreat, resulting in another astounding victory for our beloved messenger. So this was the third main encounter, the battle of the trench. So who were the ones who instigated this battle? This is very important to highlight. It wasn't Abu Sufyan. Abu Sufyan wasn't intending to go to war again with the Prophet It was the Jews. So they came and what they did, they thought after the defeat of Uhud, we can get rid of the Prophet and Islam once and for all. So the Jews went around the various tribes and they said, we are behind you if you unite. He goes, you will destroy Muhammad and his message. So one of their port of calls was the Quraysh. So a, a delegation of the Jew, Jews, they came to Makkah. And they said to Abu Sufyan, this is what we think. We will all combine, all of the various tribes. We will go in one unstoppable force. We will destroy Islam. So Abu Sufyan, he looked at the Jews and he knew that they were people of scripture. So he asked them some very interesting questions. He said, I'll put you on oath. Are we more rightly guided or is Muhammad? So now the response would have been or should have been, Muhammad is more rightly guided because he believes in God. He doesn't worship idols. He believes in the prophets. He believes in the day of judgment. He's more like us than you. You worship idols. But the shaitan, it was, believe it or not, the mother of the believers, Safina's father. He said, you're more likely guided. So Abu Sufyan was quite shocked at that. He wasn't convinced. So he said to them, I would like you to show this 
that you are telling the truth by prostrating to our idols. So the shaitan did it. Imagine. Imagine, right? Rabba is prostrating to idols. And then to cement the kufr, they said, we will all put our hands on the Kaaba and we will all pledge to defeat Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa So imagine the Jews now after committing kufr after kufr, they're now putting their hands on the Kaaba and they haven't even touched the black stone as well because we will defeat Muhammad and his tribe and the people who believe in him sallallahu alayhi wa So it was the Jews. And at a critical moment in the siege, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa he actually missed Salat al-Asr. He literally couldn't even offer it in the, in the state of fear. So the report in Sayyid Bukhari mentions that Umar radiallahu he comes with grief. He goes, Ya Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa I missed Salat al-Asr. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said, May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fill the Jews' graves with fire. I have also missed Salat al-Wusta. So who did the Prophet blame? He didn't blame the Quraysh. He blamed the Jews. Right? Why? Because he knew it was them who instigated this. And of course, he got angry for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Notice it was Salat that caused the anger of the Prophet. Not anything to do with himself. And the hadith is in Sayyid Bukhari. But a long narrative short, they were unsuccessful because of the ditch which was dug at the weak points in and around Al-Madinah and Allah Ta'ala sent a wind at a critical moment and the unbelievers had to I retreat I with humiliation so what did Amr say about this? Amr radiallahu said I was present at Khandak and I escaped this is in Behaki and Ibn Kathir Sira volume 3 page 320 of the English translation so Thus far, he was on the plane of Badr. He escaped. Thus far, he was there at Badr. And he himself said, I escaped. Now he said it again about Khandak. Subhanallah, a change was certainly now taking place in the heart of this most blessed man. Consider the following most informative report. In Al-Khara'idi, in his Masawbi Ul-Akhlaq, Al-Isaba 3-225, Al-Bidaya 6-326, Ibn Kathir Tafsir, Volume 1, page 166, and Volume 4, page 577-8 of the English translation. It is related. Sayyidina Amr ibn al-As, he went to Musalima, and he was not a Muslim as yet, but he was an acquaintance or a, a friend of Musalima. Musalima thereupon said, Woe to you, O Amr, what has been revealed to your friend during this time? Meaning Rasulullah. So stop in the report. So Amr ibn al-As was obviously one of the, the leading personalities of the Quraysh and he was you know, well known. Musaylima was a noble of the Banu Thaqif and they were friends. So look how interesting. Amr is not a Muslim. Musaylima still asked him what has been revealed to your friend, meaning Rasulullah. So you would have expected Abu to say, what are you asking me about him for? I don't believe in him. Why would I be interested in what's revealed to him? What did Amr say? 
I heard his companions reading a short but great surah. Something that report. Does that sound like an unbeliever? <laughs> but notice he didn't hear it from the Prophet. I heard his companions recite re- reading a short but great surah. Musaylama asked, and what was that? So Amr radiyallahu he recited. Thereupon reflected for a while. And after a short pause, he said, Something similar has been revealed to me. Sayyidina Amr radiyallahu said, And what is that? He then recited, O Wabr, O Wabr, you are only two ears and a breast. The rest of you is hollow. So what on earth was he talking about? Al Wabr is a small animal that resembles a cat. And the largest feature on it is its two ears and its torso. Whilst the rest of it has no attraction. So he's talking about this an animal that resembles a cat. And this, he said, is my revelation. Ya Wabr, Ya Wabr. Right? Oh Wabr, oh Wabr, you are only two ears and a, and a breast. The rest of you is hollow. What do you think, O Amr? Sayyidina Amr then looked in astonishment and he responded, By Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know that I know that you are a liar. By Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know that I know you are a liar. So now this is very interesting. First of all, how brave must you be to say this in somebody's backyard? Right? He's, the, he's, the, he's the chief. And he's actually told him to his face. He didn't even say, I know you're lying. <laughs> this is a worse insult. Because you know that I know that you are a liar. <laughs> the triple slap. You know, you slap somebody on the right, on the left, you give him another slap. <laughs> so now what's interesting about this? First, Sayyidina Amr radiyallahu described Surah Al-Asr as a short but great surah. Hardly words which would be spoken of a staunch unbeliever, especially amongst one's unbelieving friends. So now, is it a short great surah? So first of all, the translation. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, by time, or by the, by the epoch, or the era, mankind is in loss, except those who believe, and do righteous deeds and exhort one another to truth and exhort one another to patience. Mm. So that's the rough translation. Imam Shafi'i said about this surah, if the people were to truly ponder on this surah, it would be sufficient for them. Subhanallah. This is in Tabarani in his Ausat, Behaki in his Shu'abul Iman, Ibn Kathir's Tafsir. So Imam Shafi'i was at the highest levels of scholarship. He was an Imam. So he knew the Surah in depth 
And he says, if you truly reflect on this, that's all you need to know. Mm. Meaning, if you go dive deep into it, you will have sufficient guidance from this surah. Mm. This is why Abdullah ibn Hisan Abi Madina Rahmatullah had said, whenever two men from the companions of Rasulullah used to meet, they would not part until one of them had recited Surah Al-Asr in its entirety to the other. Subhanallah. This is in Tabarani in his Ausat, number 5097, Behaki in his Iman, Bukhari's Aladab al-Mufrat, Qurtubi and Ibn Katin and their respective tafsir. So this is very interesting. This Tabi'een said, this was a practice I noticed amongst the Sahaba. Whenever two of them would meet, they wouldn't leave until one of them recited Surah Asr. So what's happened to that Sunnah? Right? We don't even give Salaam. Forget about Surah Asr. So why on earth were the Sahaba reciting this Surah to one another? Obviously, it wasn't like us. My surahs kacha. Can you recite it to me? They obviously knew the surah back of their hand. It doesn't mean that they didn't know it. But they were just kept on reinforcing this surah to each other. So now, why? So first, there's a very interesting report. Imam Qurtubi in his tafsir, and it's directly from the Prophet The Prophet was asked about this surah by Obey ibn Qa'ab. So what do we know about Obey ibn Qa'ab radiyallahu? Obey ibn Qa'ab was the one who Allah the Almighty and Glory has told his beloved sallallahu alayhi wa to recite surat uh, Bayyanatu. And he wept out of joy when the, when the Prophet told him this. So he's very close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this great man, Obey ibn Qa'ab, Sayyid al-Qur'an, the chief reciter of the Qur'an, he asked about this surat. He said, Ya Rasulullah, what does it mean? Now, that tells you it's not straightforward. They knew uh, that was their language. <laughs> so obviously he wasn't saying, you know, I know what it apparently says. I want to know the meaning of it. <laughs> so Rasulullah himself explained the surah. <laughs> he recited the first portion. Bismillah <laughs> by, by time, man is in loss. He said this refers to Abu Jahl. Then he said, Except those who believe. He then said, This refers to Abu Bakr. Then the Prophet recited, And do righteous deeds. The Prophet said, This refers to Umar. Then he recited They push one another to truth The Prophet said This refers to Uthman And they push one another to patience And the Prophet said It refers to Ali So how on earth are you going to get the meaning of that Without the Prophet You ask a person what does that truth mean? And then they just come out with their own, you know, I don't know where they're getting it from. By time, man is in loss. Because that's translation, brother. What does it mean? He's well, when time passes, man is in loss. Is that your, is that your meaning of it? Yeah. When did you become Mufasir? He's Abu Jahl that Allah is talking about. Who said that? Rasulullah. You got a problem with that? 
Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Abu Jahl. Because what's the next part of the surat? Except those who believe, meaning they're not in loss. Who's that referring to? <laughs> who would have thought Abu Bakr? Those who do righteous deeds. Umar. Those who push one another to truth. Uthman. And those who push one another to patience. Ali. You can only understand that when you go through the lives of the Khilafah Rashidin. Allah Ta'ala is beautifully describing some of their immense traits. And you can appreciate it and think about that. Go back to what Imam Shafi said. This surah is enough for you. It's sufficient. But you've got to take a deep dive into it. The Sahaba were recited to each other. Okay, interesting. Before they left. At the end of every gathering they would recite it. That's why I recite it. What do I say at the end of every session? Right? You know, you don't be reciting just for this hell of it. Right? It's sunnah. And why? Because this surah is sufficient. And Amr, even though he wasn't a Muslim, think about that. He was very impressed with this surah. And he himself testified, even in unbelief, a short but great surah. Meaning, it's so short but it's unbelievable. Because this is an amazing surah. And even Musaylam was taken aback. Because obviously, he, the way that he responded, then he came out with his gibberish. Wabur, wabur, what's wabur going to do with anything? Right? No, how am I going to get well, what's the what benefit do I get from that <laughs> right and then Amr you know he even had the audacity to say to Amr what do you think Amr so uh, and then look how amazing he goes I swear by Allah you know that I know you are a liar and notice Muslimah didn't do anything to him why because he didn't die and later he embraced Islam so this report clearly indicates he was on the verge of embracing Islam. The second lesson we can take from this incident, the bravery of Amr, that he responded directly to the face of the accursed, that he is nothing but a liar, not fearing any repercussions this would entail. This takes immense bravery. Normally, obviously, like they say now, this keyboard warriors, it's going to say, everybody's, you know, Khalid bin Walid behind the you know computer laptop, he goes say it to the face, and when they get to the face, no, it's all of a sudden, oh yes, Sheikh, hang on a minute, you were saying he's a kafir, now you're calling him a Sheikh, right? So again, look at the contrast. Amr face to face, he goes, you're a liar. Thirdly, his renowned intelligence being insulted. Thus, his most eloquent and brave response, you know that I know you are a liar. He was insulted by that. In other words, because he was the fox of the Arabs, he goes, oh, you think you're fooling? You think, you think you're talking to a normal person, like we say? Fourthly, consider the two surahs. <laughs> what a world of difference. The only similarity, if any, is in the rhyme at the ending of the verses. Why? Because Musaylam rhymed. Ya Wabr, Ya Wabr, second passage, Sadr, third, and it, it rhymes. You know, hickory dickory dock, the mouse ran up the clock. Right, so what? Right, you know, how is that benefiting me? Astaghfirullah. <laughs> so, and then obviously, Toba, let me give you another one to finish. Another of the accursed so called verses was the following In Ibn Ishaq, Ibn Hisham, in his Sirah, volume 2, page 577. So this is his revelation. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed my wisdom. It is as strong as the ghost. 
that blows from between the belly and the intestines. <laughs> so think about that. If somebody had said to you, who said this? Allah Ta'ala has blessed my wisdom. It is as strong as the ghost that blows from between the belly and the intestines. <laughs> You're thinking, oh, this is a sahaba blasting Musaylimah. No. Then who said that then? Musaylimah said it. Who was he talking about? Talking about himself? Because this is my revelation. <laughs> Indeed, the so-called revelation of this accursed man cannot be better described than the foul aired flatulence that leaves one's body from their backsides. <laughs> so imagine, imagine when listening to him. Think, <laughs> oh my God, what did you say? Because my revelations, you know, breaking wind. <laughs> right? People, yeah, yeah, yeah. Another one of his uh, revelations. In Tabri in his Tarikh, volume 2, page 499, he said, Do you not see your Lord, subhanahu wa ta'ala, how he deals with pregnant women? He extracts a living being from between the belly and intestines. He created a woman a receptacle and created man as her mate to enter and leave her at his pleasure. Then a little lamb is brought forth. So this is another one of his revelations. So he's basically saying women are, you know, just good for one thing. Like you say in today's day and age. That's what he said. Because this is what God's revealed to me. Abu Bakr Siddiq, he later said to a delegation of Banu Hanifa when they came back into Islam, Woe to you! Where have your senses gone? By Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This speech could never have come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because where did your intelligence go? This is in Ibn Kathir's Tafsir, volume 10, page 386 of the English translation. So, Alhamdulillah, many of them re embraced Islam. And Abu Bakr couldn't believe it. He goes, how what? And then there's actually very interesting reports. A lot of them didn't actually believe him. They only followed him because of tribal loyalty. So for instance, his own Mu'azzims. Imagine somebody you've appointed to do azan. So he's doing the azan. And he gets to, Ashwallah, Then after that he said, Ashwanna Musaylima Rasulullah. That's what, you know, he changed it. Because our witness Musaylima is the messenger of Allah. But the Mu'azzin, he said, I bear witness that Mu'salimah thinks he is the messenger of Allah. <laughs> Nobody corrected him. <laughs> so imagine somebody did a sound like that now. I bear witness that Muhammad thinks he is the messenger. You think, you grab him. Stop for Allah, what are you saying? <laughs> Nobody went over to him, what are you saying? So what does that tell you? They didn't believe him. <laughs> but he is from our qom. You know, might is right and I will just follow him because he's one of our, you know, one of our own. <laughs> And then I also mentioned other people that helped his cause, Rahal, we need to go into that shaitan's life. But he was the one who also, you know, gave him a second wind. But he was dealt with in Abu Bakr's Khalifa, and a lot of the people did come back to the fold by the grace and mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what I mentioned today was basically mentioning where the blessed name of Amr is mentioned on the various battlefields. And of course, he was on the wrong side in the major encounters. And then I mentioned some of the wisdom why the Battle of Uhud was lost. And then I mentioned a very interesting report where Amr, who met Masailima al-Qadrat, and valuable lessons we can learn. Are there any questions you not ask? 
سبحان ربي حمدي سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك اشهد ان لا اله الا انت استغفرك واتوب اليك اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم سبحان ربي رب العزه عما يصفون السلام على المرسلين الحمد لله رب العالمين بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والاصل انسان لفي خسر الذين امنوا وعملوا الصالحات واصبحوا بالحق واصبحوا بالصبر صدق الله